0: Welcome to the Knowing God Podcast, hosted by the one and only Holy Spirit. Yes, y'all, it's the Holy Spirit that does the talking through me. It is not me at all. I completely decrease myself, and I allow the Holy Spirit to come in and take charge. So with that being said, let's open up with prayer, and let's dive right on in. Heavenly Father, we give you praise and glory and honor. And we just worship you, O God. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, another opportunity, another Wednesday to dig into your word as we continue to soak in more of you and build an even more meaningful relationship with you through your word. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you decrease me completely and increase the Holy Spirit in me. Father, do the talking at this time, O God. Take total control of this entire episode tonight oh God and may your will be done may your words resonate with the listeners this evening and may your words sow a seed in their hearts and in their minds that will cause them to turn to you to seek you to learn more of you and to build a personal relationship with you father I praise your holy name and I thank you Lord once again in Jesus mighty name we pray amen Mm. Alright. So last week we covered dun 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 the Ten Commandments, y'all. My goodness. And you know, during the week, right, after I posted the last episode, I was just thinking to myself, like, God laid out some laws, right? To create order because mankind was just all over the place. I mean, kind of like what's going on today right now. Not even kind of like, like what is happening today. Um, And it's getting worse, right? And God is just showing himself with laws that are changing, you know, things that are happening. People no longer feeling like they have control over their own life because God is who owns us. God controls everything. And, you know, people are having a hard time surrendering to a higher power, to God, right? Um, They'd rather surrender to themselves thinking they have the power to control themselves. But in the end, we disappoint ourselves when we cannot accomplish what we say we want to, right? And the enemy is tricky. The enemy would make us think we have the power to do what we say we want to do. But really and truly, our power and our might lies in the hands of the almighty God. So that's a little food for thought. But anyway, last week we talked about the Ten Commandments and we went into the laws concerning slaves or servants, right? And that word slave is like such a taboo to people, especially the Black community or the Jewish community, right? Because when you hear that word slave, you just think control, abuse, uh, maltreatment, and things like that. But even God You know, though he said, if you're going to be a slave, you should obey your master and respect your master. But you're doing it not for your master, but for me, because I'm still going to reward you. Right. Um, But when it comes to the Bible per se, it's really referring to the do's and don'ts as a slave and as a slave master you know, what you're supposed to do. And please, let's not take this the word slave in its literal sense, because remember, as we have started reading uh, in the beginning, the Israelites were being very disobedient, right? The Israelites were... Um, always doubting God, not putting their full trust and hope in God, right? Even though there were times where they feared God, but then there were times where they got so tired and and, and miserable and impatient with God. And so God forming these laws with Moses before the people were even engaging in the things they started to engage in after, right? God knows he's the all-knowing God. And so he formulated these laws and put them in place because he knew a time such as these that he's referring to in these laws was going to come. And so uh, in this case, we talked about uh, responsibility of, um, I think it was the servants and also concerning violence. And then we talked about animal control laws. So if you have not listened to the last episode, please stop this video and go back. If you have not listened to any of the episodes, stop this video and start from the beginning so that you can follow along and so that you can also read on your own to gain your own understanding through the Holy Spirit, right? Because the Lord says, lean not on your own understanding. We have to trust in him. So trusting that God will help you understand is basically what I'm referring to. So now we're going into chapters 22 and 23 today, and we're doing so great, y'all. I'm like so stoked and excited. The beginning of uh, chapter 22 says, responsibility for property. And I read, if a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. If the thief is found breaking in and he is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. I'm I'm assuming in this case, the thief was not supposed to be breaking in and he was found and he was shot uh, let's just use the word gun but maybe he was you know hit by a cutlass i don't know a machete nonetheless there's no guilt for the blood that was shed on this man because you did what you were not supposed to do thou shalt not steal if the sun has risen on him there shall be guilt for his bloodshed he should make full restitution if he has nothing then he shall be sold for his theft So now if he does not, you know, like, let's say the sun um, rises on him, then there shall be guilt for his bloodshed, right? So he'll be found guilty for what he did. And he's going to have to be responsible for paying back what he stole. And if he has nothing to pay back, then he's going to be sold as a slave to someone. Verse 4, if the theft is certainly found alive in his hand, Whether it is an ox or donkey or sheep, he shall restore double. So now he's alive and he's caught red-handed with what he has stolen in his hands, then he must repay the owner double of what he stole. If a man causes a field or vineyard to be grazed and lets loose his animal and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best of his own field and the best of his vineyard. I hope we understand that. If a man causes a field or vineyard to be grazed and lets loose his animal and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best of his own field. So the best of the flock that he has, he now has to pay back from his vineyard back to the owner where his animals like, you know, scattered the other man's uh, garden, so to speak. Verse six, if fire breaks out and catches in thorns, So that stacked grain, standing grain, or the field is consumed, he who kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. So whoever the arson is definitely has to pay back for what was destroyed. If a man delivers to his neighbor money or articles to keep, and it is stolen out of the man's house, if the thief is found, he shall pay double so you say hey anike can you hold these things for me until i return whether it be money or jewelry whatever it is but unfortunately somebody breaks into my house um, god forbid and steals your property if that person who broke in is caught then that person has to restore double of what was stolen from the friend who asked me to keep the things now verse 8 says if the thief is not found then the master of the house shall be brought to the judges to see whether he has put his hand into his neighbor's goods. If you can't find the person who stole it, well, you know, more than likely all fingers point to you, right? Who was given the goods to keep. And so he now God now says, we're going to leave it to the judges to decide whether or not the master of that home in which those goods were kept is the person responsible for the for the goods verse 9 says for any kind of trespass whether it concerns an ox a donkey a sheep or clothing or for any kind of lost thing which another claims to be his the cause of both parties shall come before the judges and whomever the judges condemn shall pay double to his neighbor I think that was clear if a man delivers to his neighbor a donkey an ox a sheep or any animal to keep and it dies is hurt or driven away, no one seeing it, then an oath of the Lord shall be between them both that he has not put his hand into his neighbor's goods and the owner of it shall accept that and he shall not make it good. But if in fact it is stolen from him, he shall make restitution to the owner of it. So it's kind of like a a car accident, for instance. It's probably not anything so bad, but both of you are aware of what happened. So God kind of leaves it to both parties, right, to decide in this matter, like, okay, hey, you hit my car. Let me just, let's just exchange insurance and do it the way it needs to be done. And we settled it. But if in fact you hit my car and you tried to drive off and you get caught, then you're gonna have to pay for the damages on my car, including whatever time I lost from work, if that makes sense. And Holy Spirit help me, because I hope I explained that well. Verse 13 says, if it is torn to pieces by a beast, then he shall bring it as evidence, and he shall not make good what was torn. And if a man borrows anything from his neighbor and it becomes injured or dies, the owner of it not being with it, he shall surely make it good. If its owner was with it, he shall not make it good. If it was hired, it came for its hire. And we're going to look into this and kind of see what everything means when I finished the chapter, just to kind of give like a summary of everything. If a man entices a, a virgin who is not bethoughted and lies with her, he shall surely pay the bride price for her to be his wife. So this, titled from, uh, this subtitle is Moral and Ceremonial Principles. And it starts from verse 16. So I'll go back and read that again. I'm sorry, guys. If a man entices a virgin who is not betrothed and lies with her, he shall surely pay the bride price for her to be his wife. So to all the gentlemen out there who's just lying around with the woman, who aren't married, by the way, right? But you slept with her then you have to marry her. That is according to the law, right, in these days. If her father utterly refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money according to the bride price of virgins. Hey, you disvirgined my daughter, but I don't find you fit to be her husband. So you're going to have to pay up for taking her virginity because now it's going to cost me more, right, for her to find a suitable partner who's going to accept her now that she has been disvergent. Verse 18, you shall not permit a sorceress to live. Those are people who engage in witchcraft. Whoever lies with an animal shall surely be put to death. And that, what is that? Can, no, not cannibalism. I forgot what it's called, but people who mess with animals, like literally sleep with animals, By the way, it is so disgusting. I can't even picture something like that. I'm ready to just throw up. So there are people, though, who do that. And to me, that's abusing the animal. That's like animal cruelty. Sorry. Verse 20 says, he who sacrifices to any God except to the Lord only, he shall be utterly destroyed. Now, it doesn't say by whom. So I am going to put two and two together to say that God is going to surely destroy anyone who puts any other God before him, who sacrifices to any of these little graven images that mankind made, that does nothing, that doesn't talk, that doesn't help, that doesn't save, other than God Almighty will be destroyed. Verse 21 says, You shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. You must... Be kind to the widows. Help them. And there are orphans out there who have no parents. They also need help. In fact, adopt one or two if you can, if it's within your means. Um, And it can be in your means. It is possible. Anything is possible through Christ who made us. So you say, God, you know what? I really want to take in a child who has no family. I've always said I wanted to do this, and I pray that God puts me in that position to be able to do it. But I want to adopt, and I will adopt a child by the grace of God. And so I just pray that God gives me a a good child, right? Um, If you afflict them in any way and they cry at all to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will become hot and I will kill you with the sword your wives shall be widows and your children fatherless and this rule this law still stands till this day god sides with his widows and his fatherless widows and orphans motherless babies children without parents if you are cruel to them or wicked to them. You say you want to adopt them. You say you want to take care of them, but then you maltreat them and you abuse them. And they cry out to their God, the God Almighty, who who, who, who created you and I. And if, the, if he hears their cries, oh my goodness, I feel sorry for you. So keep that in mind when you come across a widow or an orphan. Verse 25, if you lend money to any of my people who are poor among you, You shall not be like a money lender to him. You shall not charge him interest. Hmm, look at that. So God is not saying we shouldn't pay back or we shouldn't be charged interest. There are people who God has blessed to have money. So therefore, if they borrow, then they're responsible for paying back. But there are Christians who serve God wholeheartedly, right, in spirit and in truth, that are poor and don't have money, but they need money, right? And so When they borrow and you lend to them, you shouldn't be selfish and start chasing them down to pay you back. They don't have it, right? They don't have it to pay the interest. They might be able to get the exact money they borrowed, but they they may not be able to get the interest that you're going to charge on it. If you ever take your neighbor's garment as a pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down. For that is his only covering. It is his garment for his skin. What will he sleep in? And it will be that when he cries to me, I will hear, for I am gracious. Remember, guys, whatever you take from people, return it. You shouldn't keep it for long, especially if that's the only thing they have. What else are they going to do? Again, God hears his people. He hears the cries of his children. You shall not revile God, nor curse a ruler of your people. Now. Romans also talks about this, right? God is the one who appoints. God is the one who rules over the governing bodies of every land that we live in, every nation we live in. So we are not in any position to curse them or disrespect them because God placed them there. Whether they're doing good or whether they're doing bad, there is a reason God put them there, either because of the people who are prideful who have not humbled themselves, according to 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, You know, and God says, oh, you guys want a leader? Okay, here you go. Now deal with him until I hear your cry again and you have come to your senses and understand that I am the God who puts leaders in place to do the righteous thing, to do the right thing. You're going to suffer under this ruler, under this leader, under this president, under this governor, right? Verse 29 says, you shall not delay to offer the first of your ripe produce and your juices, the firstborn of your sons, you shall give to me. Now, God is not saying kill your children and give them to me. He's saying you should offer them to me. The firstborns are very important. It's like, you know, it, our children are our gifts, right? And so you get that first gift, you take that gift right back to God and you dedicate your child to God because God said He has plans to prosper us, not to harm us. Before we were formed in our womb, right? Jeremiah 1 says it. God knew us and he had plans for us. And so this is what this is pertaining to in, in your, in your, in your uh, earnings as well. When you earn, God asks, all he asks for is one-tenth of your earnings, 10%. I mean, that is not too difficult to give. Like God, first of all, is the reason we are even able to get paid at all whether you want to believe it or not. He could have said, give me 100% of it, right? And you must put your 100% trust in me that I will take care of you and provide for you, which he knows many people can't do. Unfortunately, many of us do not have a faith that big. That is how gracious our Lord and Savior is. And so he just says, I must have a portion of it. Verse 30, likewise, you shall do with your oxen and your sheep. It shall be with its mother seven days. On the eighth day, you shall give it to me. So this is a custom, right, that we do uh, back home in Nigeria. When a child is born, the child is um, basically dedicated to God on the eighth day. That is when we name the child. Um, The child would have been circumcised if it is a male. And I'm sure we're going to read more into this. There's a lot of laws that comes in, especially in Leviticus. But... We, we, you're giving the child back to God and God wants the same for even the first fruits of animals. Verse 31, which is the last verse in chapter 22, and you shall be holy men to me. You shall not eat meat torn by beast in the field. You shall throw it to the dogs. Amen. God wants us to be holy. He doesn't want us to eat meat that was torn by beast in the fields, right? In other words, Beasts have already eaten out of the meat and then now we go back and want to eat out of that same meat. Ill? Come on, that was for the beast, right? They've torn it up, they've eaten it. Feed it to the dogs. It's for animals. It is not for human consumption. God lays out the laws of what he wants us to eat as well. I mean, and, and I know people say in the New Testament, it's like, oh, it doesn't matter what you're eating as long as you believe that God has blessed it. And yes, this is true. But if you, what you believe that you eat so it is. So don't like flip-flop and change, right? Because I know there's people that says, oh, God says, let me not do it. And then you want to ostracize somebody else. If if they believe what they're eating is fine and it's good for their soul, leave them. We are not in a position to judge. That is all for God. Wow. We're doing great. So let's stop right here very quickly. And we're going to go into chapter 23. And this is titled Justice for All. And The laws of God continues to be laid out in these chapters. We'll be right back. Just, you know, stay tuned for this quick commercial break. God bless you. Don't go anywhere. Hey, guys, we are back. Thank you so much for sticking around. Thank you for not (laughs) hanging up when you heard that quick commercial break, which happens to be my voice, by the way. And I just wanted to throw out there that uh, when you go to anchor.com, because some of you might be listening on other listening platforms, and I appreciate that. But if you go directly to anchor.com, anchor.fm slash knowing God, you will be able to support me. Um, I would definitely love to build my studio Um, to the capacity where I can actually start recording and being able to bring guests on board so that you can actually get a visual of us speaking and really feel like you're a part of the podcast conversation. So your support really, really matters to me. Any amount, I don't care. I will take it. God will multiply whatever you give me right back to you in the name of Jesus. So I appreciate your support and I appreciate you sharing this platform because if it might not do much for you, it may do a lot for someone else. Uh, So I do appreciate you sharing this post, um, reposting, or just, you know, nudging someone and saying, hey, check this out. I appreciate it. God bless you. All right. Chapter 23, titled Justice for All. You shall not circulate a false report. In other words, stop gossiping. Do not put your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. If you were not there, if you didn't actually hear it with your own ears or see it with your own eyes, please do not open your mouth and give false report. God does not want to hear they said, he said, she said. Because when it's not you said, it becomes a rumor. And God says that this is unrighteous because now we're slandering a person, right? Because there's no proof per se, since it's a hearsay. And and this goes for me. We have to be very mindful. I think I've gotten way better over the years and I still continue to work on myself to just refrain from talking about people, refrain from saying, oh, hey, I heard. Or um, I used to have this tendency where I would make up stories to try to justify a situation that I'm in, whether it be with my husband or or family or friends, because I want them to see a point. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. It's always good to be transparent. So, And I think a lot of us do this. We want people to get a point, right? So we'll be like, oh, one time I saw this and this happened and that happened. These are all false reports and they are lies and we need to stop it, right? And I say we, I put myself in that category. So that's what the Lord is referring to here. Verse two, you shall not follow a crowd to do evil nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after many to pervert justice. I mean, that is just clear in its own statement. And please, you can open up Exodus 23 to read. Verse three says, you shall not show partiality to a poor man in his dispute. The poor man is possibly innocent, but because he's poor, you're like, "Mm, no. If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, You shall surely bring it back to him again. You know, it's so funny because God says that we should even love our enemies, right? It's like throwing a heap of coal on their head. I know that people would say, wait, I thought that was when you forgive. Same thing. God wants us to just to love everyone. He is, vengeance is mine, right? Says the Lord. He 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 will avenge us. He will fight for us. We don't need to do it. All we need to do is just leave it and take it to God and continue being the righteous fellows that we are in Christ. If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying under its burden and you would refrain from helping it, you shall surely help him with it. You shall not pervert the judgment of your poor in his dispute. Keep yourself far from a false matter. Do not kill the innocent and righteous for I will not justify the wicked. And you shall take no bribe, for a bribe blinds the discerning and perverts the words of the righteous. Bribery already, we all know, whether it's biblical or not, it's just not cool. Also, you shall not oppress a stranger, for you know the heart of a stranger, because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Uh, How can I liken this? so he's referring to it to the Israelites, right? In in all these laws that are set out. And when we say Israelites, we're saying he's referring to us as Christ followers. This also still pertains to us even in even in today's age. God has taken you out of the pit. You were buried so deep. You were going through so much, but the Lord took you out. The Lord took the Israelites out of Egypt, out of their suffering, out of slavery, right? And He said, "I'm taking you to your promised land." Excuse me. God is taking us to where we need to go. God is taking us to our next level. But in order to get there, there are ways we need to be. There are behaviors that we have to. to to have characters that we must possess, right? In Christ. And so God is saying, don't oppress people because you have to remember you were once oppressed and I took you out of that oppression. I delivered you. And so you should do the same. You should be doing that in return. If I have now put you in a position where you can help someone, why oppress them? Have you forgotten what I did for you? That's what God is saying here six years ago. Oh, I'm so sorry. This is titled verse 10, the law of Sabbaths. And we all know Sabbath, right? It says God created the earth in six days and he rested on the seventh, which he called the Sabbath day. And he called it holy, a day of rest, a day to remember him, a day to perform good deeds as a righteous follower. Verse 10 says six years you shall sow your land and gather in its produce. But the seventh year, you shall let it rest and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat, and what they leave, the beasts of the field may eat. In like manner, you shall do with your vineyard and your olive grove. So seven is such a significant number before God. It doesn't have to be days it doesn't have to be seven weeks whatever that seven is just very important and in this case it says six years you will reap you will sow you will gather but on the seventh year you're not doing anything whatever you have reaped whatever you have sowed is that that is what you're going to keep so that those who do not have you will be able to supply hallelujah, because the Holy Spirit just placed in my mind right now. It's like I saw a flash of it, which is so crazy. Um, Joseph, right? If we think back to Genesis, so for those of you who are just tuning in and you started with Exodus, go back, please go back and listen to the um, book of Genesis. But if we remember Joseph, remember Joseph um, was also able to interpret Pharaoh's dream about the seven years of um, famine and the seven years without, you know, it's like God, man, God is awesome. He just has his, God God is just all knowing and all powerful and just knows how to work out situations because the, there are times like this that is always going to arise, you understand? And so God knows what he's saying when he does these things because there probably will come a time where there's gonna be punishment, right? Because the people were just defiling and reviling and, and just, you know, doing things that were against God, against God's laws and his wishes. So with these laws coming into place, God knew that there will be a time where these situations were going to happen. And so there will be something in the storehouse for the poor, especially the poor who still serve God. All right, let's not take too long on that. Verse 12 of chapter 23 says, Six days you shall do your work, and on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may rest and the son of your female servant, and the stranger may be refreshed. Again, on the seventh day, God expects us to rest. God expects us to use that day to observe him, to keep it holy. Now, doing charity work or helping people does not make you guilty of working on the Sabbath because these are all things that God wants us to do. These are all things that are Christ-like, right? It shows love and God is love. So God is not against that. But going out to toil hard and work for the man as opposed to God who says, hey, I provided for you all week. You're going to be fine. <laughs> that is why I made sure that you were able to make all the money you could make for those six days and you'd be able to rest on that seventh day. And so I this applies to me. I I, I do so well, right, Um, at times where I'm like, I'm just going to rest, I'm just going to serve God, I don't want to do any work, no, nothing. You understand, some people um, observe their Sabbath on a Saturday, some of us observe it on a Sunday. I have come to the knowledge of the Sabbath being a Saturday. Even though I go to church on Sundays, I am still working on trying to observe Saturday nonetheless, right? And, and, And when I say this, like, On Fridays, I just want to get laundry done. I want to get everything done. To God be the glory, I don't have like a steady nine to five. So I have the time to be able to get these things done. And I just want to make sure that I get it all out of the way. That way I can just rest in the Lord and just focus on him and just be still and listen to what he has planned for me for the day. Instead of wasting my day watching television, because I tend to do that a lot. Well, movies per se. Verse 13, and in all that I have said to you, Be circumspect and make no mention of the name of other gods, nor let it be heard from your mouth. Once again, God, he throws that disclaimer out there. He puts it out there. Do not serve any other gods. Be aware of yourself and be careful. Be mindful. That is circumspect. Three annual feasts. That is the subtitle that starts verse 14. Three times you shall keep a feast to me in the year. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. You shall eat unleavened bread seven days as I commanded you at the time appointed in the month of Abib. For in it you came out of Egypt. None shall appear before me empty. Amen. And the feast of harvest, the first fruits of your labors, which you have sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering at the end of the year, when you have gathered in the fruit of your labors from the field. Three times in the year, all your males shall appear before the Lord God. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with unleavened bread. i um, sorry. You shall not offer the blood of sacrifice with leavened bread. Now, for some of you that are saying, what's leaven? What, what does he mean? Why shouldn't we do this or that with leaven?" So leavened bread means that there was yeast added. So because yeast has been added, there's been a mixing, right? And if we want to liken that to mankind... Uh, people who were not ordained to be pastors become pastors and they start to mix their own personal beliefs with God's laws and then a mixing happens and God doesn't want that because God is not a God of confusion. That is where the enemy comes in. And so liken that to leavened and unleavened bread. Unleavened bread means that the bread was made with just pure flour or wheat or barley, whatever it is used back then. There was no yeast added, there was no mixing or anything to try to make the dough rise. God does that on his own. He doesn't need help. In this case, it's like they're saying, hey, you need my help, let me add a little yeast to that. It'll rise faster, no. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, nor shall the fat of my sacrifice remain until morning. The first of the first fruits of your land, you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. A goat that is still being raised and still drinking milk. You know, God, God is like, hello. I I didn't ask for that. Like the goat is not fully matured, so to speak. So God is not looking for that sacrifice. And again, this is referring to during the time of the law, right? When we get into the New Testament, we'll see a difference. And I'm starting to think maybe we're going to go back and forth, right? So once we complete Exodus and anyone who is listening, please um, share your thoughts with me if you agree uh, with this. I think I'd like to go into the New Testament and we'll read the first two chapters there, which is Matthew and Mark. And we'll sort of go back and forth because I think this will really help to see the connection that the Old Testament is not done away with. The old law is not done away with. It's just that there's now grace abound because we're not able to keep the law and we no longer become prisoners to this law and these laws that we are reading right now. So by the grace of God, we'll get there. All right, verse 20. And this subtitle says, The Angel and the Promises. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions for my name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an um, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Amen. This is actually a point of contact in prayer for anyone listening, and I pray that myself included, in the name of Jesus Christ, that we will recognize our angels. We will recognize the angels that God will send to us and we will never ever do anything to grieve them, to cause them to be upset, to cause them to bring a negative report back to God so that in return, God will fight for us. God will be an enemy to our enemies, those who are seeking to destroy us, to kill us, to devour us. God will be an enemy to them. He will be an adversary to those who are adversaries to us in the name of Jesus, amen. Please say amen to that if you are listening. For my angel will go before you and bring you in to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. Let's stop. Verse 23 and 24. Basically, God is already laying out his plan. He's giving them the information of what he's going to do. He's giving us the information, right? He's saying to the people through Moses, I'm going to send you out to these places. But in these places lies negativity, right? Lies the things that are contrary to what I stand for and what my people stand for. Therefore, when you go into this land, you must not partake in their ways. Let's liken that to today. I am going to take you out of this situation and I'm going to put you in this new place. But when you get there, there, people are going to notice that you are different. They're gonna notice your uniqueness. They're gonna see that there is a light of God upon you. And you might be enticed to engage in the things that are against Christ, but be sure that you are vigilant and that you do not fall prey to such things. This is what God is telling them. Do not bow down. When I bless you with wealth, you better be a blessing in return. Do not become like these people. And what they do in their land. You are set apart. It's not black, it's not white, it's not yellow, it's not green. You are a Christian race. It's a whole race on its own. Verse 25. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. Amen. That's a prayer, guys verse 25 of chapter 23 says, God says you continue to serve him, serve him. He will bless the food we eat, the water that we drink. We will not be sick. He will always remove sickness from our lives. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. Amen. Many of us experience miscarriage or, or barrenness, right? Because God is the one who shuts wounds, unless the enemy has a part in that. And then there's obviously spiritual work, fasting that needs to be done to cast out that demon and to break every chain. But there are times where God shuts your womb because he eventually wants to prove that He is the I am and bring you to him. But in this case, if we are serving God in spirit and in truth wholeheartedly, and we are not bowing down to all these false gods and all these fake preachers out there, and we're just keeping our eyes on the kingdom, God will never allow us to suffer. We shall be We we shall be fruitful. There will be abundance, abundance upon abundance in our land, in everything that we do. And we will never be barren. There will never be a dry land. We would never be financially barren or spiritually barren or emotionally barren, right? Even as a woman. We will not be barren when it comes to children for our nations. God said he will bring nations from us, right? And so we want to continue that. God is still, though though we are in the end times and the Lord is coming, he wants more of us. And so we must fulfill his word. I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come and will make all your enemies turn their backs to you, amen. And I will send hornets before you which shall drive out the, Hiv- the the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites from before you? I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. Amen. And I will set your bounds from the Red Sea to the Sea, Philistia, and from the desert to the river. For I will deliver the inhabitants. of the land into your hand and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. And this is the word of God. Bless be the Lord our God. Hallelujah for God's word. You know, I implore you to just take a moment and open up chapter 23 of Exodus and read the entire thing, especially from verses 20 to the end, because it is filled with great prayer points. I mean... God tells us here what He's going to do for us as long as we just serve Him and follow Him. And I, I, I speak to myself always as well that I, we must be consistent in reading His Word, but not just reading it to read it as a storybook. We want to read it to be able to digest to meditate on the word, to learn so that we can become like what he wants us to be, so that we can receive it and fill it, so that our spirits will be one with the Holy Spirit. That way, when we stop or when we wake up in the morning, we're able to say, God, what do you want me to do today? What are the plans that you have for me? Lead me and guide me. Make straight the path before me. Go before me, God. Like we want to be able to do that and have that relationship with God. Not relationship with the religion. The relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Trinity. The Word. Jesus Christ. Who came in the flesh to die for us. That is what we want to do. We want that relationship with God. And I pray in the name of Jesus for everyone that is listening that you will be able to have this relationship with God. I pray that the Holy Spirit touches your heart. I pray that he touches you to the point where you are convicted and that you fall to your knees and confess of your sins and repent and accept Christ into your life. It's really that simple but the Lord searches your heart, so you've gotta want it. You've gotta do it from your heart. He searches your heart. I tell you, when you go down, the angels begin to rejoice and they're just so happy. And sometimes we might need to rededicate our lives, right? Because a lot of times we fall off. I know I've rededicated my life so many times, but it's the type of God we have. He's so loving, he's so gracious he said he would have mercy on those he chooses to have mercy on so i pray that god god's mercy would never depart from me would never depart from you the listeners nor your family or your friends in the name of jesus so with that being said everyone i thank you so much i pray that as you have listened to me god will bless you god will enlarge your territory you would never suffer you would never lack there shall always be an abundance of everything that god has has to offer it on this earth while we are alive, in the name of Jesus. Don't forget to share. Don't forget to like. Talk about this podcast if you love it, and please, I welcome your reviews as well. So, you know, a little something for me. I also on Spotify, just um, a quick shameless plug out there. I put like little poll questions. So please, I welcome the interaction definitely respond to some of the poll questions that you see on Spotify. I am on Spotify. I would love it. I would love to interact with you. And I would definitely love to talk about uh, any questions or answers that you may have on the podcast. Also, you can record your question on anchor.fm and I can add your question to the podcast and we can talk about it as well. So you get an opportunity to listen to yourself on the podcast. So with that being said, Don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Knowing God Podcast. God bless you. And until next week, remember to put God first and stay blessed. Love you guys.